21 minutes it is after 7 p.m. We check in with the latest out uh, in company news in the economy and uh, also, I guess, out in the markets. Joined on the line to take a look at some of these by independent market commentator, analyst and CA, Snesipo Maninjwa. Snesipo, good evening to you. Welcome. Happy New Year or compliments. Best wishes for 2023. Uh, hey, I am likewise on your side. Hoping for much, much, much better. Yeah. Yeah. Are you back? Are you back on the grind or are you still well, promoting the last part of your holidays? Not even. I'm back in the salt mines. I am most definitely back. It's allowed. It's allowed. It's required. That being said, I mean, I'm quite interested, I guess, uh, you know, uh, Snesipo, uh, in uh, some of your own reflections uh, of, um, you know, uh, I guess people aren't back yet. I mean, just judging by the company news, by the announcements in the listed space and even the quanta of stories we're getting, it seems people are only really coming back in earnest tomorrow or maybe um, next yes. week. Yeah. And actually, I would say today, because schools open today, yeah. from today onwards, uh, I think that's when it's back. Because even when I noticed it, um, when I was driving into the office, last week was traffic-wise, was not a lot, even though we had load shedding. But the past today, yeah, yeah quite frustrating. But, you know, it's now everyone's back. And I think... We're, I think we're ready to get the year started. Very busy year. A lot of, um, so um, I was having a chance looking at some of the major outlooks from the global investment banks, the likes of your Morgan Stanley, um, JP Morgan City, um, Goldman Sachs, all sort of um, sounding um, the trumpet of doing, expecting mm. a recession, but expecting a recession. Um, we have to see what inflation is doing, what's going on at the central banks. Um, and it it, 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 it it stands to reason that I think the past three years have proven that nothing what, nothing that we say in the beginning of the year has ever come to fruition. But there are some tailwinds that we're going to be looking at. So must we yeah. give up on resolutions? No, not on resolutions. I just think that we just need to have our bearing correctly and sort of just forecast on where we are right now um, and sort of what what are sort of the major tailwinds that are happening and adjust accordingly. I think you always plan with an end mind, but you have to look at it quarter to quarter quarter to quarter mm, yeah yeah let's let's take a look at that quarter to quarter and maybe start out in the pgms and chrome sector interesting uh, production update here coming through from uh, tarisa for the first quarter of uh, the year 2022-23 year which of course ended 31 december 2022 it seems they still buoyed significantly uh, by the favorable price environment and uh, I guess notwithstanding some disruptions due to rain in Zimbabwe, um, it seems they're on a good wicket, putting down some money down, strong cash balance, and uh, I guess uh, also strong reception from the capital markets insofar as their recent capital raise is concerned. Yes, there's, um, there's a lot of positivity uh, uh, from Teresa's um, uh, recent set of results. So two things, um, obviously, they're within the PGM, so they've had good price momentum from the underlying um, underlying commodity price upswing. But there's also two um, two very major investment projects they've been building with, building specifically in the career project, specifically in them, and also locally um, 
the enhancement in uh, the plants to increase the yield, specifically from the corn production. Mm. So they 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 um they're they they they're doing all the right things. So there was a quote um, the CEO made um, where he was talking about that although they are a small player, they have been consistently paying dividends for the past seven years. Mm. They have significant they've got significant upside in their potential. So when we look at it, so they're what you would call basically a deep value stock in that you can see sort of some of the initial capital projects there. They're in the money should everything go the way it's supposed to go. They continue the same trajectory because they're trading a discount to their fair value. So from, from the deep value perspective, these are sort of the entities that we like in terms of where their um, exploits are coming through. And Solid management team, solid set of results. We do wish there was more color in the management team, but as we call up. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Greece, Cyprus, Greece, Cyprus, you know, uh, it is it, it is what it is, it seems. And uh, it's quite concerning because I guess this is a sector, Snesipo, where, you know, the issuing of licensing is also contingent on, uh, you know, significant transformation and uh, value distribution locally. So, um even though we might say as Kolapo, I, I do think it is a concerning feature that, um, you know, there isn't really strong, aside from community trusts and so on, really strong uh, empowerment credentials here at Teresa. But uh, uh, we move. Um, talk to me about the latest coming out of Kuburg. Um, so, um, this, um, it's gone, um, as you know, they've been talking about expanding um, Kuburg since 2010, and they finally in the process of, um, doing such that is also to extend the life and also to extend generation capacity because, as you know, as in the, the revamp of Quebec, I'm sitting at about um, 20 billion in 2010. Mm. I'm just hoping that we're as close to that number because, as it stands, as you know, it's from Ainamali. And um, I've always said I love, I love nuclear as just as an energy, as an energy source, mainly because of its cost um, and the idea. They will. The idea is that the revamp will re, they will reduce um, output, and they should be able to do the revamp around so 2020 to 2024. So, unfortunately, it's not solving our current problems of living in the dark, but it is something that we were supposed to do. Word we were supposed to do. Keyword we were supposed to do. And and I mean. Ma- Maybe just talk to us. This is a 40-year plant for all intents and purposes. I mean, it came online in 1984, uh, one of the most reliable of our plants. Um, you know, only fairly recently would we ever hear, look, there's an outage because there's been a breakdown of a unit at Kuburg or whatever, uh, one of the more reliable ones. What is the implication of having over a medium and a long-term period some of the plants offline for long-term maintenance and the extension of the shelf life? So currently, um, we all understand that we need maintenance needs to be undertaken to extend the shelf life. However, with maintenance comes you taking power off the grid. Mm. And in periods where we have such a significant, um, our energy availability factor is so below what it's supposed to be. It, it is concerning, but it's something you have to do. You sort of have to bite the bullet. Kind of have no um, choice, huh? You have no choice. And, but again, I have to always emphasize this thing was planned from 2010 onwards. We diddle-dallied for over 10 years. Well, we might have diddle-dallied because this is the most reliable one. I mean, you don't in your fleet 
uh, decide to go and take on a major service, your best performing one, Klauselin is Gorogor. Yeah, so, but by the time you make that decision, the thing is that you always were going to have to take it offline to this do the maintenance. True. You're yeah. always going to have to take it offline. And that's also one of the things I just like about our country sometimes so much is that we're always reactive. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it had a price tag of $20 billion in 2010. I don't know what 2022 is going to look like. And it, it, it is concerning, but it needs to be done. So it's annoying for all of us, but, you know, it, 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 it needs to be done. And then, Snesipo, I guess the, the other um, big story came out earlier on today um, were some of the manufacturing production and sales data, uh, which had uh, come through uh, for the three months ending at the tail end of November of last year. Uh, and we also know the manufacturing sector has probably been the sector that has lost some jobs. Some interesting stories, I must say, coming out of uh, this set of numbers uh, with the rebasing uh, of the index, um, significant declines um, in textile production, uh, and uh, I guess the footwear sector has been quite resilient there. Uh, there are also areas where production is yet to recover to 2019 levels. And, uh, yeah, many of those areas, I guess, are the areas where we're expecting some jobs. Um, you know, petroleum products uh, also battered by the closure of about four uh, out of our six refineries locally uh, and also declines in basic iron and steel. And uh, also, similarly, I guess, massive reductions in the production of furniture locally. What did you make of uh, this set of numbers? Um, so, yeah, I thought they did um, an overview of um, manufacturing within South Africa and um, within the report itself. There's some granular details in terms of which sectors have upticks, and um, we, we did mention the rebasing. But at the same time, um, at the same time, a lot of this you can trace it down to if you want it from a building block. You've got we did chat um, last year on um, the producers' uh, purchase index, which showed a slowdown economic activity. So. You see that set of numbers first, and then we did talk about the obvious closure. The textiles is is it's it's in a perpetual decline. Um, but we did see some upshifts in terms of um, vehicles. Um, so um, the National Vehicle Association um, released some numbers in terms of sales, and they talked about having a better sales period. So you can sort of you can sort of see those relationships coming through. Um, I think, like I said, the textiles. What's concerning for me is um, a lot of these sectors are on their downward side and some of these jobs will never be recovered. And it perpetuates the cycle of a high unemployment, structurally high unemployment, because, again, as an economy, we struggle to um, pivot to um, pivot sectors and pivot within um, creating enhanced, creating employment in sectors that are no longer unviable. And I think that's what to me what was really concerning. We are also trying to get back to that magical number of 2019, but the status quo that is present in 2019 versus end of 2022, now in 2023, is completely different. Mm. We are in a high interest, high inflation, low productivity because of structural... Sure. 
contractual issues. And um, I'm not sure if you saw the, um, the article that was dropped today um, on U24 talking about the Minerals Council and their frustration at, um, of Transnet. And again, we are creating our own bottlenecks. We have the opportunities are there. But I, I was having this moment when I was tweeting, which was yeah, yeah. you can't, unless you deal with basic infrastructure, this, this thing of growth and, and employment will not get solved unless you deal with basic I don't know how many times in the post-apartheid period I've heard the South African government talk about back to basics. Um, and uh, maybe it's something to, to think about there. But the other areas, Nesipo, just on this uh, you know, production and sales data coming out of manufacturing, there, there are a few sectors that uh, you know, policy supports in this country. Um, I guess no more than the automotive sector. And I uh, found a very interesting statistics here, and I'm not too sure, I guess, uh, what you would make of this. Um, but um, massive rebound in automotive sales, it seems. And, uh, you know, if, if uh, we compare the same quarter in uh, 2021, September to November, 66 billion was the value of some of the sales there, nearly doubling in the uh, September to November of 2022. What might have accounted for this? And uh, in a way, also, I guess, mirrors some of the data that we've seen coming out of NAMSA over the last while, who are the, I guess, industry body there for uh, some of the assemblers of vehicles here in South Africa. Um. I think, so if you look at where the total vehicle sales, they've been um, introduction of very much starter brands. So if you look at um, sales perpetually, you've, you've, we've had quite a few entrants in the market and um, where people still need a car, but they opted to buy a, maybe a lower cost car. Mm. Lower cost car, so the introduction of Haval, um, Suzuki, which I don't think were even in the conversation in 2019 in terms of growth and BAC as well. Um, a lot of these, these little car brands and their growth has been quite, um, quite spectacular to watch because they've understood that you need to cater. People still require a car, but if you can give them a car at a specific value, at a specific value that, um, low on petrol consumption and gives them all the basic features at a fraction of what it would cost the Germans. Mm. So the German variety, it, it, it is where we are from a market perspective. I see we're talking about the Chinese brands here. The Chinese, yes, because that's where they're growing. Mm. I can, you, can, you, you, see them in the, you see them in the streets when you're driving and you can actually see the growth. Mm. So... Mm. So even newer players, I mean, I think Suzuki is the Japanese. So, you know, yes. there's even from some of the more traditional markets, you know, new ones that uh, are coming in. And, uh, you know, we might even see new ones coming from the likes of India. I mean, I, I heard somebody saying there's like a seemingly a, a new Bajaj coming. Um, and I think some of our some of our listeners would probably associate uh, the Bajaj brand with uh, tuk-tuks. Uh, but they're also mm-hmm. coming and making a foray into the entry level, you know, automotive vehicle space as well. Yes, because that's the sector that's growing. Very few people can afford um, your large German, more established brands, but they still need the car. Mm, mm. Yeah, interesting one there. Last one, uh, Snesipop, before we let you go. Um, I guess I found, I found this particular story very interesting uh, because 
I've worked in many places that talk about work-life balance, that talk about taking time out. And then the first people to call you are some of your bosses at work uh, to say, hey, there's a, you know, a model you were working on or there's a, you know, a, a slide deck that uh, I need you to share with me or a report or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, also, I guess many working professionals challenged by the ability to just switch off. Uh, I know it's not the time to be talking about it because all of us have to switch on, uh, but many would have had over the last few weeks or so difficulty in trying to detach themselves from the workplace. And uh, interesting story here coming out of uh, a sports tech firm out in India. Uh, it's called Dream Sports, and they charge you 20,000 rand uh, or 1,200 US dollars if you contact a fellow staff member while they are out on vacation or on leave. What do you make of this one? And on the real, um, I think our culture of um, technology, technology is a great enabler, but it's made us available and accessible 24-7. Mm. Now, when you are on leave, unfortunately, also as working from her boundaries tend to get um, blurred where people think it's okay to send you a message at the crack of the evening with the expectation of your response. Now, this is true whether you're on leave or not. So um, I like what they've done because they're reinforcing a standard boundary that should be present. Mm, mm. It, sh- it should be something that's normal in South Africa. I mean, normal. Yeah. It's normal. But my, favorite, my favorite question is they're like, hi. I know you're on leave, but now can, can we just talk for a second? It's never a second. It's never two minutes. Mm-hmm. It's not even five minutes. Like, it, 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 it is, and it's, it's reinforcing that boundary because your leave, you need to start taking the time to um, refresh, um, take a break, but you're unable to do that when you can't see emails on your phone. Mm. You can't, and, and, and for me, I do think that, it's, I think what they've taken the step, which is what I, one of the things I agree with, they, they understand that it's not enough to say, please don't contact people on you. You need to have enforcement. There needs to be consequence management like all things because people will take advantage. So have it cost them. And one of the things they're doing this within a shortage of staff because they understand that people are overworked. Mm. And you know, part of the other interesting dynamic to this is how they do it, right? Like you, you get sort of blocked out, you can't access your emails, you can't you know, access any of the things that you ordinarily would be able to use to do the work uh, for whatever amount of time that you're going to be, uh, I guess, going out on leave. No, I love it. I love it. And it's not, I just don't see it's practical, but they understand that even if someone doesn't contact you, if you're getting the email, you're, the human thing to do is to need to respond. So make sure that I, if you're going to be on leave, be on leave. Suivula. And the fact that they mandatory require you to take leave annually. I know, no qualm, no. <laughs> We're going to leave it here for tonight. So as always, a pleasure catching up with you. And once again, best wishes for 2023. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's Nesibo independent market commentator and analyst, joining us for our wrap of the top business stories. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, class action in the Boxburg uh, fuel tanker explosion case. Uh, yeah, you might want to check in with that one.